Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Well, the Lord is good. So we're going to just do a short little discussion kind of time here. Let's see if we can go for 20 minutes. Let's do it. We yeah, can do it. That way there's plenty of... Uh, Fellowship. Di- yeah, I-, I could preach right now, so don't let me just ask me. You might want to remove two questions and just ask me like two questions and then, you know. But uh, what a wonderful time of worship. How many could just sense the Lord really doing something in our hearts? And uh, man, can we just pray for more of that? Yeah. Like as a people, I, I really, I really, really love it when, when we just step into a river of worship like that. Um, and it doesn't have to be weird or crazy, even though I, I'm a little weird and crazy. Who's a little weird and crazy? Yeah, and we could, we could all learn to be other aware. Sometimes we're so weird, you know, we freak people out. Um, but uh, there's a wisdom there. But I, I love moments of worship that are where the presence of the Lord is so tangible and real. It's like every heart in the room is aware. And it's like, uh, all right, it doesn't matter what happens next. We're here. And I, I love, I love those moments. And, and I pray for those moments. And, and, and I love the honor to be able to lead worship uh, with our team from time to time. And uh, I don't know if you guys, did you guys enjoy the ancient praise song? Did y'all like that? That's a song that the Lord gave us a long time ago. And actually, we were... Um, about two years into ministry, three years into senior leadership. Was that about when it was? Do you remember? Yeah. Maybe three years in. So we had planted the church in Las Vegas, and, and we were kind, kind of going through a tough time in ministry. And, uh, and so we started meeting in our home with about 20 people or so, uh, couples, key couples, community leaders in our church. And we were worshiping, and there was this really holy moment, and that melody came out in worship. Mm-hmm. And it was just that, you know, that melody that came out. And then the Lord gave us uh, verses to it. And uh, it became this powerful proclamation of what the church has been praying for 2,000 years and declaring the kingdom of God coming. And how many know for 2,000 years the kingdom of God is increasing, 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 increasing. The reign of the government of heaven. And so that prayer is like a victorious, it's like the church joining, the church here on the earth, joining with the church glorified in heaven and still proclaiming. How many know we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, Hebrews 12, and innumerable company of angels? And so there's this heavenly roar and this ancient praise. I mean, think about in all the languages, in ancient Antiochian worship, you know, you have these prayers and these songs. It's interesting that we... um, it's totally off the grid, but th- there was a song that we found. Uh, it was an Antiochian song, and there's this guy that, that sings a song with this choir, and it's an e- Eastern Orthodox song, and it's about the kingdom of God coming, our Father, mm. and it's about the kingdom of God coming, and some of the melody is the same chord progression of that song. Wow. It's amazing. Wow. And so how many know that in all the languages, the church has been praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And there is something about a church that proclaims that together. One will put a thousand, two shall put ten thousand. How many know we have victory in Jesus? Yeah. But when we, when our voice becomes one resounding 
like trumpet, if you will, there is a, a something that happens in a city. Mm. Something happens in a city. So good. I mean, the power of one person worshiping. You remember Rick Joyner used to talk about this. And, he, he, and I remember, uh, I'm going to chop it up, but I remember Rick Joyner talking about if we could capture just a, a group of a few hundred people could capture what the worship hev- is, of heaven is like and participate in it, it would change the world, yeah. the worship of heaven. So I really, so I love good. moments like that. So good. And you were bowing before the Lord, and you just looked so sweet and cute down there, honey. And I was like, look at my wife, and it just made me cry more. And you're so cute. I love, too, like those are moments where people get healed when nobody touches them. Um, there's freedom and deliverance and stuff happens on the inside and nobody but the Holy Spirit can get the credit or take the credit or it's just like moments in the presence of the Lord where God just wrecks and rebuilds. So good. You know, the Lord's been speaking to me about like turn the camera off. Wow. Like when no one's watching. And there's kind of like this celebrity Christianity, and, and I'm not talking about mega churches. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about when we become so successful, we begin to wrongly receive adulation from man. Wow. And it corrupts the heart. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes we miss out on the holy moments because we're, we got the camera on. Mm-hmm. And I know there's lots of people watching online right now. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying it in a metaphorical yeah. sense. That, you know, I've even found that the ministries that really give God glory are the ones that bear lasting fruit and vow to give God all the glory. And it's never about building an empire, but it's always about advancing the kingdom. How many know there's a difference? And a worshiping church, I don't think that we, if we keep our hearts postured to him, our hearts, in essence, are all bowing to Jesus at the same time. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. And that happens in the presence of the Lord. And then there's no room for that. They're like, you know, somebody got healed. Well, who prayed for him? Nobody. Nobody. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And that doesn't eliminate or belittle the fact that we're called to lay hands on the sick, and we should be confident in doing that. Yeah. But that's a testimony. We saw, let's tell them that testimony yeah. of, do you remember the girl who had arthritis? Yeah. Tell them that testimony. She was on, I think she was saying, she was on three different medications because she had fallen off a horse um, early on in her like 20s and she was about 30 something so she's in worship she has arthritis she has back pain she's taken three medications we're in worship and she it was a holy moment it was yeah, like what was we like were experienced mm-hmm. yeah and um and all of a sudden she, this is how she ex- expressed it to us she feels a pop in her back it just like she audibly heard a pop in her back. So she comes up to the front, and we pray for her. And um, and She said, if I may interject, yeah. she said it felt like something was ripped out of her back. Mm. Like literally just pulled like roots, pulled and she out. felt it pop. Yep. So she comes to the front, and she gets prayed over, and then she falls out in the spirit. And so she's out there for a little while. And she comes to us about a week or two later, and she's sharing with us. She's like, I haven't had back pain since that moment 
I'm off of my medication. And had I fallen like that, like in the spirit before, I would have been in bed for weeks, but I have not been able, I haven't had any pain. And I think she's still painless, pain-free, medication-free from one moment in worship. And it's just the Holy Spirit. Like God just doing it in a moment. Powerful. Now, you were raised in the church. It looks like I'm interviewing you this morning. No, (laughs) We have an interview question ready, but we're going off the grid today. Uh, How do you think we, as a people, not just individuals, because we have a lot of sermons on increase your prayer life, you know, the secret place, and and I love that. Mm -hmm. Like, it's especially for leadership people in ministry. If we don't have intimacy with the Lord, there won't be true fruit. Fruitfulness comes out of intimacy. We can't just ride the coattails of a corporate anointing. Like if we're preaching and ministering and loving people, pastoring, equipping, we should be in the secret place with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Can you say amen? Amen. But there's a lot of messages on that. There's a lot of books written. But how do we cultivate the corporate spirit of worship where our hearts are actually knit together? Mm. How do you feel? You've been raised in the church. like. And you've been a part of different church cultures, yeah. you know, different from Baptist to Baptocostal yeah. to Pentecostal mm-hmm. to holiness, you know, with the doily on your head. And yes. I don't, did you ever? Apostolic. Apost- yeah. You were, so you were oneness for a little while? So you were a we heretic. went to an apostolic church. You didn't believe in the Trinity or so? I was like 11. You got delivered though, right? <laughs> I wasn't So wow, asking. you were a heretic. Hmm, tell us about that. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. So how do you think? we could cultivate that as a people moving forward. What, share some practical wisdom and yeah. then your heart, maybe some experience. So um, I am a, um, my husband, your pastor, thank the Lord Jesus, he is a man of prayer. He prays all the time. She's totally embellishing I'm right not. now. Uh, I just, no. I, I put on recordings of prayer in my office <laughs> and I'm actually on Praise Facebook. And the whole team thinks I'm praying. Like, man, he's really going for him. Like, that was like two years ago. I didn't know. I'm kidding. No, he's he really is a man of prayer. And and not that I'm not a person of prayer. It's just um, I have a lot of responsibility. So me spending two, three hours a day in my office just praying is not something that I have the time to do. So I have to posture my heart to Jesus in a place that says, if I'm driving kids to school or I'm packing lunches or I'm doing dishes or I'm making dinner or all of those things, my heart is postured at a place of open communion with the Lord. And so I think that either way you go, whether you're a person that has that time to spend in your prayer closet praying with Jesus in a mystical way, or you're a person that's really busy and you just have to continue to posture your heart at a place of communion with Jesus, either way, God is gracious. Amen? But as far as a corporate setting, I'm the kind of person that um, I think it's really, really easy to build a church that's seeker-friendly, that um, has all the bells and whistles. You're in and out in an hour and 15 minutes. And that is the temptation um, as leaders to sacrifice moments of worship to build a large community. And it will be really, really easy. And that temptation has come to me many, many times. There's times even in wisdom I've thought, you know, sometimes our wisdom is, you know, 
our thoughts and we count it as wisdom and it's not or, the Holy or, Spirit. Or it's an offense against the Holy Spirit and we mask it as wisdom. And I have, I've seen that in my life where I've, I've told Zach, I'm like, your message, it's bigger than our little weird church. And, you know, we need to do things to make this different because the message that you have needs to get out there. And it, what are we willing to sacrifice and so there's moments in the presence of the Lord where as a community, we say this thing together. You're all that matters. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what people perceive. All that matters is that our hearts are fully yielded to your presence. And things happen that make me feel uncomfortable. I'm... You know, I'm just being honest, right? But that's okay. Doesn't somebody said something? God offends the heart to God offends the mind to reveal the heart. And if there's offenses we have towards Holy Spirit, God will offend our mind to reveal that in our heart. He's done it to me many times. There's times in my life I hear the Lord saying, "Are you willing to risk your dignity for what I have for you?" You know, and as a, I, in my mind, I'd like to think I'm a polished, put-together pastor's wife. Those things are hard to hear from the Holy Spirit. Are you willing to risk your dignity for what I have for you? And then there comes times in our lives where we say, Jesus, I just want you. And everything that comes with. And the temptation to do church differently fades and now you believe that we that's absolutely stunningly beautiful i mean uh, uh, just back to that phrase like to lose our dignity or to sacrifice or even say like i don't i don't have to succeed in the way that i think i want to succeed i just want you and i want to see people saved healed delivered i want to reach people i want to equip the saints i want to and so it's always a part of it but now you believe in excellence and we should do things well we should use wisdom we should be holy spirit uh sensitive and seeker aware 100 (laughs) percent. i mean that's important right i mean teaching moments when we're moving in the gifts of the spirit and we should be teaching on these things out of the scriptures and but we don't sacrifice the priority of God's presence and us experience him together for the other fluff yeah. and the other stuff. Absolutely. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I remember, uh, you remember the trip to Yakima? Yeah. And I don't think it was the trip that uh, we were part of worship for Harold's conference the year I led worship there. Um, but we, we went there. It may have been the first year. I don't remember. But we visited a church, and it was good, and it was cool, but it was just cool. Right. And it was hip. But there's no manifest presence. And I was so grieved. And we're in the car. And I'm like, Rochelle, I'm telling you, there's a fork in the road. The body of Christ is going to have to decide. Do we want the presence or do we want this fluff and stuff? And I was like probably venting the entire time. It's like a two-hour drive back to Seattle. (laughs) She's like, okay, I heard your sermon, honey. Write it down and preach it when we get home. (laughs) So good. No, it's good. But when you said that, it hit me. When you said... Are we willing to sacrifice our dignity? 
a reputation. This is yeah. what I see with Bethel. Yeah. Bethel Church has always maintained a priority of the presence. That's right. And they're a powerful movement. Yeah. They're not perfect. No. You know, the, um, powerful movement. Yeah. Probably one of the most powerful on the planet right now. Uh, you know, affecting the uh, affected, influence, yeah, affecting the body of Christ. The fastest growing group in Christianity is a charismatic church. Mm. It's probably going to supersede the number of Catholics in the next 30 years. I mean, in China, you have estimates of 30 to 50,000 a day. And it's underground charismatic churches mostly. Yep. Yep. The charismatic church is the fastest growing subgroup in the entire body of Christ it's amazing. right now. It's amazing. And, and for me, if I was a Baptist, I'd be like, wait a minute, maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, or, or maybe not because there's Baptist churches nowadays that are like straight Baptists, but they, you know, uh, it was on Mother's Day. It was on the anniversary of the revival in the Vineyard Movement with Lonnie Frisbee around 30 years to the week that the Baptist church announced at their convention that tongues are for today and the gifts of the spirit are biblical and we believe in them. Do you remember that? Yep, I do. 30 years. That, you can't tell me that's a coincidence. God's on the move. But if I'm a church, I'm like, okay, I'm doing this really well. The music is perfect. Like the sermon is on point, three points in a poem. And like there's some good motivation. But is there substance? Is there glory? Yeah. Is there wind on the worship? Come on. Or just does it sound really good? Yeah. And can we tell the difference That's it. That's the between heart. hype and the anointing? Yeah. When someone's anointed or someone's just really good at what they do and emotional or polished. Mm-hmm. How so powerful, good. honey. You said, are we willing to sacrifice our dignity? What a heart of worship. Yeah. David becoming undignified and that doesn't mean we have to be extra weird no. No. you know what I mean like yeah. let's close with that thought okay <laughs> let's close with that thought um, I didn't mean that that way like we're all weird I just here, here's the thing as we mature right as we mature um, we realize that this worship setting in this room and this atmosphere is not for just me this is for us as a community. You're, God, you're pouring out your spirit on all flesh. You're pouring out your spirit on all flesh. And we're responding. And so as we mature, as leaders, as um, mature elders in the faith, we realize our response is also being watched by people in the room. And that's when you talk about we're aware of seeker. We're aware that there are people in here. There might be people in this room right now, and you might have said, I I haven't been in church in 20 years, and you guys are weird. And I would say, it's okay. Well, let's talk through this. Or you might have just heard about our church, or you came with somebody, or you're visiting, and and. And this is all new to you. So we are aware that there are people in this room that these are things that are new. Um, But as mature believers, we understand that it is not about me. It's about us experiencing God together, going with God together, 
This is why that verse, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophets. Mm. That's an important verse yeah. to really be um, taught well. Yeah. Because that means there's a person in charge of a service. Heaven partners with the leader. Thank you. Yeah. And it's not this, whatever happens, we're all just floating around in the wind. It's, no, there's leaders that are sensitive to the spirit. That's the way God operates. God partners with our hearts. And leadership Paul is, is important. Paul is actually dealing with this idea that, oh, we lose control. We lose control. It's not so much that. It's Paul's like, no, you have been given gifts. Use them the way that they're supposed to be used in harmony, flowing together. For love. To edify each other in love. I love the, what you just said because I want to point something out. It's interesting how we have eliminated well, we, we believe in the gifts, but you only see it behind closed doors. But Paul says the opposite. When an unbeliever's there, prophesy to him. Right. When an unbeliever's there, we're like, oh, no, we don't do that for Sunday mornings because there's unbelievers. Paul, the Bible says to do the opposite. Light bulb. Hello? He says if there's an unbeliever, prophesy, and they'll say God is in this place the secrets of their heart will be revealed yep. and he'll fall on his face and worship God That's right. because the presence because right. he's here yeah. so profound I, I want to close with this Psalm 73 yeah. one of my favorites I, I, I'd love to preach on it the psalmist is saying God is good to Israel to such a pure in heart but as for me I almost stumbled my steps had nearly slipped I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked have you ever envied the prosperity of other churches? Absolutely. And I would be a liar if I said I didn't. Sometimes I, I thank God. I could do a whole lot better with what they have. <laughs> I mean, it's being honest, right? Isn't that what the psalm taught us? The psalms teach us to be honest? Yeah. Absolutely. And this is an honest psalm. Honest. And it's a journey about him reorienting his heart away from envying the success of others, whether it's the world or people that maybe we envy is real. There's a holy jealousy, but then there's straight up envy. And then his, I'm just going to do this real quick. Towards the end of this journey, he's writing down and he says, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. This is Psalm 73. You'll guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Now here's the revelation. And just before this, he says, all this stuff bothered me, vexed me until I went to the sanctuary. Oh, I love that line. But then his final is this. And this is God. I don't care about my dignity. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon the earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart will fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He ends it with, God is good. It is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord that I may declare your works. So powerful. So good. Close us out in prayer, would you?
Did you guys enjoy that? Spontaneous. We asked none of the questions on our list. We'll do it again. There is nothing that I want but Jesus. I'll risk dignity. I'll risk reputation. I'll risk it all for him. Father, I thank you for your presence, for your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you for moments in worship where you do a reset. As a whole, as a community, as a people, you just reset us all. This is what it's really about, guys. It's really about you, Papa. It's really about your presence. And in that, seeing our city the way you see our city, seeing each other the way you see them, seeing ourselves the way you see us. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Papa. Let's close with this. Coming back to the heart of worship, lift your hands. We're just singing a couple times. Yeah. I'm coming back. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.